You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. I believe wholeheartedly. I've been studying this for months, and I have so much here. I can hardly, I just said to the Lord, help me organize my thoughts, Lord. Don't let me say anything that isn't from you. I've got so much up there. I don't know what to say and what not to say. Lord, you're going to have to be Lord over it. But, but here's what I want you to understand. When we get done with this, with this series, I don't want you to just know this scripture here. I want you to know it here. I want you to have the word dwelling richly within you. I want you to understand that this is a promise to you and that you can stand on that promise and believe God for it. When we finish this series, I promise you, you will know this word. Just stay with me in it. Stay with me week after week in it. Don't grow tired of it. Ask the Lord to to just give you understanding and revelation as we go through it because I believe there are nuggets in this scripture that are going to drastically change your life. Would you just pray with me? Father God, I thank you that your word is alive. I thank you that it's powerful and it's active and it never, ever returns void. Lord, that means whatever portion of your word goes out in this place tonight, that it's going to go forth and prosper in the hearts and the minds of these men and women. And I'm asking you, Lord, to penetrate their hearts with your word. I'm asking you, Lord, to to just uh, break up the unplowed ground of their hearts, Lord, and drop that seed in it so that a harvest, a harvest begins in our life because of the seed that was planted tonight. Father, I pray and I ask you, I am so aware, Lord, that I will blow this tonight if you're not with me. And so I thank you, Lord, for the promise that you are with me like a mighty warrior and that you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me, you'll never relax your hold on me. And Father, I'm asking you to make my mouth like a sharpened sword, like a pen in the hand of a skillful writer. And I pray, Father, that your word, when it goes forth, would be like a double-edged sword that pierces hearts and minds in this place tonight. Lord, we don't want to remain a people unchanged. I I want to see uh, lives changed and influenced for eternity. Lord, change my life. I'm asking you to change. Change us, Lord. Take us up higher. Take us deeper in your word, Lord God. Give us revelation. Give us understanding. And Lord, I pray that we would be changed because we've been in the presence of a holy God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Psalm 91. Kristen read to you out of the New King James Version. I'm going to flip back and forth between the New King James and the Amplified. But who knows that, God's, that God has promises for us? Do you know that? That all his promises, the word says, are yea and amen for those who believe. This book is full of God's promises to you. That's what sweet Heather did. She stood on his promises believing. And God fulfilled those promises for, for her. It's not magic. It's not, a, it's not hooky-kooky charismatic stuff. It's you simply saying, God, I believe that you're who you say you are. And I believe that you'll do what you say you can do. You see, we've got to come to a place in our life, church, where we either start believing God. You see, you say you believe in God, but my question for you tonight is, do you believe God? Do you believe that his word is yea and amen 
for those who believe? Do you believe that he means what he says in here? And that it's like a, a check that I uh, write a check to somebody. It's a good check. You can take it to the bank and cash it in. This is God's promise to you. You can take it to the bank and cash it in. He'll back it up. They're yay and amen for those who believe. Psalm 91 is a promise of God. But there are two types of promises uh, in, in the Bible, and, and, and it's important that we learn to, to discern the difference. There are two types. There are conditional promises, and there are unconditional promises. For example, an unconditional promise is God saying things like, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That is a, an unconditional promise. It's not dependent on me doing anything. There's not a condition that I have to meet first. He just simply promises, Rhea, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's an unconditional promise. Another unconditional promise would be, um, uh, I will return again. That's a promise. It's unconditional. Doesn't matter if you're ready for him to return, dear Leslie. He's coming back. Whether you like it or not, it's a promise and he's going to do it. Whether you meet any conditions of him coming back or not, he's coming. But then there are conditional promises. The Bible has lots of them. Some of them you're standing on as an unconditional promise. And here, dear one, it's depending on you doing something to see the fruition of that. Psalm 91 is a conditional promise. It, it, it says, here's the condition for you to meet, and then here's the promise, the fulfillment, the reward of you meeting that condition. I'll give you an example in natural life. Little Kendall yesterday was working at home with me, and I, I had a bunch of chores I needed to do, and I had some filing for work that I needed to do, and she's very good at that. And I said, Kendall, I'll make you a promise. I said, if you, do my, if you do my filing and if you pledge my bedroom, I'll give you $10. Well, her eyes got wide. She wanted the $10. She's got things she wants to spend it on. And, and so, but the condition was, you've got to do my filing and pledge my bedroom. And, and if she had not met that condition, I would not be obligated to fulfill my promise to her. Do you see the difference? Psalm 91 is one of those conditional promises. I'll have you know, Kendall did my filing. She pledged my, my bedroom, and I gave her the $10 that I promised her. But, but Psalm 91 is a conditional promise. We see the condition in verse 1. Look at that. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The condition there is, he who, what? Dwells. Uh, our responsibility, the condition that we need to fulfill, is that we need to dwell. Where are we going to dwell? Somebody tell me. In, in the secret place or the shelter. That word secret place, it means a shelter. It means a covering. It means a hiding place. Who wants to play hide and seek with God? I want to be in his hiding place. Do, do you not want to be in his hiding place? You see, what we don't know and what we're going to find out in this psalm is that God's hiding place, you are, you are, you are free from the devil's access. He has no access to you when you are hidden in God's secret hiding place. When I get up in the morning, I am headed for the secret place of the Most High. But you see what happens, God's, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, Lord. Would you just keep me in, in, in line here? But, but I want to use this umbrella just as, a, as an illustration. 
God's hiding place is like coming under the umbrella of his protection. Now, if, I, if I'm with God in his hiding place, but I want to go out and do the things that I want to do that are in disobedience to his word, what happens? I come out from the protection of his shelter. Do you see that? And so my goal as a Christian is to stay in that secret place with him, in that shelter, in that protection. Can I tell you that the word of God is a protection to us? When, when my son Mike and I were driving to Pennsylvania uh, a couple years ago, we were driving down a highway. It was four lanes on one side and four on the other, and, and, and all the kids were in the back seat just sleeping or listening to their, their headphones, and Mikey was sitting in the front seat with me, and, and I'm just kind of dazing because I've been driving for hours, and all of a sudden, Mike yelled, look out, and I, my head, you know, just focused to what he was pointing at, and, and here was a massive, I'm just having trouble with this. Here was a massive buck ready to cross the highway. And, and you know what was going to happen. That buck was going to come across those four lanes of highway, and, and he was going to be a dead, a dead buck. And, and Mikey said to me, I wonder why he didn't just stay behind that fence. And I looked down, and there was a fence that, that, the, that the highway, whatever, people had put up, and it was to keep those deer from coming up to the highway. And behind it was all sorts of beautiful forest and beautiful land for that deer to run. But he just had to see what was on the other side of that fence. And it was going to mean death for him. And I'm telling you tonight that the Bible is God's fence of protection for you. He says you can go this far and no farther. I'm not saying this to be a dictator type God. I'm saying this for your protection. But if you have a rebellious heart like I have, you just want to see what's on the other side of that. You just want to, you want to stretch the limits as much as you possibly can, and you jump the fence like that deer. But there's death, there's spiritual death outside the umbrella of his protection. There's, there's spiritual death outside the, the, the fence of his protection. Are you following me? The word shelter means protection, covering, shelter, secret place. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of what? The Most High. You see, uh, the, the Most High, you're going to see in this series that, that the, the author uses several names of God here. That's important that you catch every name because they're all different. This one, the Most High God, is El Elyon. The, the word El Elyon means Most High God. Uh, he's not just a high God, he's the what? Most High. He's, it means God Almighty. He's not just mighty, he is what? Almighty. It's a God who's supreme, who's the possessor of heaven and earth, who everything is under his control, who nothing surprises, that nothing has more power than he has. Do you understand that when you are in the shelter of the Most High God, there is nothing that has more power than your God is going to have. There's nothing that can come against you. There's nothing that can defeat you because you are living under the protection of his wing. Do you see that? And so why, church, can I ask you, would we want to live anyplace else? That is a place of protection. It's a place of safety. It's not a dictator God saying, you can't do that, naughty, naughty. It's a God saying, I love you so much that I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want to see you wounded. Y'all know my life. You know my testimony. You know the bad choices that I've made in my life. You know the number of times I've jumped the fence. 
And I'm here to tell you, I have lived both sides. I'm not preaching some super spirituality to you tonight. I'm telling you this because I've experienced it, and I know the death that's on the other side of that fence. I know the death that's outside that umbrella. When he says to you, don't do this, he means it. And it's not because he wants to cheat you out of life. It's because he wants to give you life. There's a scripture that says your life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what it is. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. I've been studying that scripture this past week, and I said to Dave last night, the Lord gave me a revelation I have not seen before. I would always say to people, my life, I'd say, Leslie, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Who cares what those people are doing? We are safe in God. Whatever comes to us goes through him to get to us. Are you understanding? That's how I've always quoted that scripture. So last night I'm sitting at my table and I'm studying and the Lord just nudges me and he says, look up the word life there, Rhea. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And I look up the word life and it is the word Zoe. And, and Zoe means life, but it doesn't just mean life. It means the fullness of life. It means the absolute top best part of life you could ever have. It is, is, it is where all of life lies. There is no better life. Your life the life that you're looking for. See, some of you think your life is in drugs. Some of you think your life is in, in finding the perfect spouse. Some of you think life is in success or, or money. Some of you think life is in your children. Some of you think life is in what? Alcohol, getting drunk on Friday night. Some of you actually think that's where life is at. But God says, your life, real life, life that, that nobody can put a damper on, Life that an ex-husband can't ruin. Life that, that a, a mean employee can't, can't come up against. Your life, true life, is hidden with God in Christ. Do you see that? So when you get to that secret place where God is, where the Most High El Elyon is, you're going to find life, precious one. Life is not here. Life is not here. Life is here, underneath the protection of his wing. He said, he who dwells, the word dwell there, and I've got to get to my notes because I, I want to, to, to not have you miss any of the good stuff. The word dwell means to sit, to dwell, to inhabit, to endure, to stay. He who dwells, who stays in the shelter of the Most High. You see, what you, what you and I want to do sometimes is we want to visit the shelter of the Most High. We want to we sit there on Sunday morning and say, I visited, how you doing, Most High God? And then we want to go do what we want to do the rest of the week. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm not interested in visitation. I'm, inter I'm interested in habitation. I want you to, to dwell here. I want you to live here. I want you to inhabit this place with me. I don't just want you to visit it occasionally. And church, I'm just going to tell you, many of us are not walking victoriously because we're not dwelling in that place. We're just visiting it on Sunday morning or maybe Monday night Bible study, but we are not dwelling there. We're not living there. Uh, he says, I want you to, you see, when a conditional promise means we, we, we make a choice, that word dwell is a verb. Anybody know what a verb is? 
Somebody tell me. What is it? I heard it. It's an action word. It requires action on our part. So here's a conditional promise that requires what? Action on our part. I have got to choose, make the choice, be intentional about dwelling. Some of you are saying, oh, Rhea, you know, that's just for somebody like you who has to study the word of God to dwell. I really am the exception to that rule. I don't have to do that. Sunday morning's good enough for me. Okay, no wonder you're not walking in victory. I'm sorry, I'm going to tell it like it is. That's the truth. Some of you are saying, I'll tell you where you're dwelling. You're dwelling in bitterness. You're dwelling in unforgiveness. Oh, here's a good one. Some of you are dwelling in self-pity. That's pathetic. Can I tell you who you are in Christ? Can I tell you who you are in Christ? Do you understand the price that he paid for you to be free? And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. He died so that you could have life and have it what? More abundantly. And we are living dwelling in bitterness, dwelling in anger, dwelling in self-pity. Let me tell you again about my rotten childhood. Do you know what? That's in the past. This is the present where God is. And he's redeemed the past. He's bought it back. Now start using it for his glory instead of staying stuck, instead of staying sexy. Some of you are dwelling all right but you're dwelling on what Susie down the street did to you a year ago. You're dwelling on what Fred at work said to you a month ago. You're dwelling on what your husband or your wife did to you a year ago. Oh, you're dwelling all right, but you're dwelling in death. You're dwelling outside the protection of the shelter of the Most High. I love that it's called the secret place. Oh, I have so much to tell, to you, tell you tonight. Just pray that God can multiply our time. But I love that it's called the secret place. Those are just sassy cute shoes, Leslie. <laughs> um, I love that it's called the secret place. Uh, the other night I was a little testy. Dave, Dave will tell you I was a little testy the other night. And I, I wasn't quite as patient as I should have been. And, and you know, I just was probably PMSy and and. You know, women will tell you, men, I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but I'm just saying it like it is. We got hormones, and they just get out of control sometimes. And it was out of control hormone time. And, and Dave came in the room, and I snapped. Tender Dave, I could see it on his face that I'd hurt him. And I really felt quite justified, and so I didn't say anything. And, <laughs> and the next morning, I went to the secret place. See, Dave counseled me getting to that secret place. I think if the Lord didn't wake me up, he'd set the alarm and push me out of bed because he knows what happens in that secret place. And uh, so I went to the secret place, and I love that he calls it the secret place because here's what I think. He tells me some secrets there. And that morning he said, Rhea, let me tell you a little secret. <laughs> that snapping at Dave stuff needs to stop. That's the flesh, Rhea. And, and, and it's just going to bring destruction, Rhea. And it's just going to make you miserable, Rhea. And that's outside the umbrella of my protection, Rhea. So I suggest you go up there right now and you just tell him you're sorry. <laughs> that was just hard. I don't think I did it, honey, did I? I think I texted you, didn't I? <laughs> oh, that's hard. That's hard. But you see, I got in the secret place and he told me some secrets. <laughs> Here's the secret to life, Rhea. Because you want life and it's hidden in me in my secret place. And that's death what you did this morning, Rhea. So here's the secret. Apologize and find some life. And anyway, it's an intentional choice to dwell in the shelter 
of the Most High. It's a promise that's available to all. Here, listen to me. I don't want you to miss this. This is a promise that's available to all. It's going to blow your mind as we go through this passage the next couple weeks. You're going, to, you're going to be astonished at what's available to you, the protection that's available to you. I believe this. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just silly enough to believe that God Most High believes it means what he says. And this is available to you. It's a promise that's available to everybody, to all of us. But you see, it's a conditional promise. And so not all of us will benefit from this promise. Not all of us will reap the fruition of this promise. Do you know why? Because not all of us are going to be willing to do the work to get to that place of dwelling. I, I, I wrote in my notes, uh, you know, some of us are satisfied to be mediocre Christi, Christi, uh, Christians. Some of us are happy to be shallow Christians. And you know what? If you die, and go to, you're, die you're going to go to heaven, a mediocre, shallow Christian. That's, that'll get you to heaven. But the life that you miss and the victory that you miss is, is just amazing to me because I lived both sides. But so I wrote that in my notes, and then I happened to come across a quote by A.W. Tozer. And he said, there's no such thing as a mediocre Christian, that the Bible has no tolerance for a mediocre Christian. It doesn't, it doesn't affirm or confirm mediocrity. In fact, it does the opposite. He says, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold, and I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to tell you, church, if you come here on Monday nights, I will challenge you out of your mediocrity. I will, because I've lived in that dry place. I've experienced the life that can be found in the shelter of the Most High. And I want you to know that. I want you to experience that. There is so much more. I, I want the more of God. Does anybody want the more of God? You see, we've been satisfied, church. We've been satisfied just to come on Sunday morning and hear a good word and walk away and do whatever we want. And there's life out there. There's so much more. I'm experiencing the so much more of God. And, and I haven't even tapped in to what he wants to do. I, there's so much more. Don't you want that? Beverly, I just, I just, this is coming through my mind. My friend Beverly, who comes to teach occasionally for me, y'all know Beverly. And um, Friday, Friday morning, I had texted her. I said, Bev, you're on my heart so heavy today. The burden that I had for her was just overwhelming. The Lord had woke me up Thursday night. I prayed for her. I got up Friday morning. The burden to pray for her was just, uh, it just would not leave me. And finally, I texted her and I said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm burdened for you. Are you okay, my friend? And she immediately texts back and she said, you're right on, Rhea. I'll call you later. So she didn't call me. I just continued to pray for her throughout the weekend. And the, this morning she called me and she said, Rhea, I want to tell you what happened on Friday. She said, my mom and dad were visiting my sister out west, and, and she said, we knew this was going to be one of the last trips that they took because they're getting out, they're getting old. And, and she said, but you know, my mom's always been in good health. And she said, they got out there and they visited for a couple days. And she said, my mom had this pain in, in her side. It was just a dull ache and not anything big, but they thought she better go get it checked before she came back home. And and Beverly said, Rhea, my mom's been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, or liver cancer. And she said that she, she won't live much longer. And she, said, and, and she said, I believe that God can heal Rhea. But she said, my mom is ready to go to heaven. And she said, there's an appointed to man. It's appointed to man to die once. There's a day appointed. And she said, I believe this is my mom's appointed time. But, but she said, you know the first thought that came through my mind, Rhea? And I, she said, my mom, she called to tell me this, and she said, I just had this overwhelming feeling of jealousy. And she started to cry. 
and, and I said, jealousy, Beth. And she said that she's going to get to be with Jesus before I do. And it was the most sincere. It wasn't the super spirituality thing. It was the most sincere thing in the world coming from Bev. You see, that's somebody who's not living mediocre Christianity. She's the real deal. And, and for her to say, Rhea, there's nothing better than being in his presence. My mom is going to get to be in his presence, Rhea, in his presence. She asked me to share, share with you tonight that, you know, that you could pray for their family. But that was just coming through my mind as I was talking about mediocre Christianity. Are you going to be satisfied with that? You see, we choose the place we're going to dwell. Are you going to dwell in mediocrity? Are you going to dwell in bitterness? Are you going to dwell in unforgiveness? Are you going to dwell in anger? Or are you going to choose to dwell in the shelter, the protection of the Most High? I was at Frame Park uh, the other day walking, and when I got out of my car, it was beautiful, and I started to lap around the, 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 the water, and it's about a mile and a half around, and I was going to go around the second time. And just as I finished the first lap, uh, the, the cloud, the dark sky got dark, and, and it started to thunder and lightning, and the rain started to just pellet. And, and I took, I ran for cover. They have a shelter there. We, we had the picnic under it, the snowdrop picnic. And, and that shelter, you know, it protects people. It, it, there's picnic tables underneath it. It protects people from the hot sun. It protects people from the rain. So I ran for that shelter, for that protection. It would protect me from the rains coming down, from the storm that, that was coming. And I'm telling you that the shelter of the Most High will serve that same purpose. When the storms of life come, run for cover. Run for cover. Don't run to attack. Don't run to defend yourself. Don't run to fight back. Run for cover in the shelter of the Most High. And that is a place of protection. That's a place of victory. It's a place of power. I'm going to choose that place. I want to read to you from, from the Amplified Bible. The first, the first verse of Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable, somebody say stable, shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed. Where, where's my little Kendall? Kendall has this saying, one time she did something that was just really corny and, and she did it at school and she came home and she, she's telling me about it. And I said, oh, Kendi, did that make you feel uncomfortable? She said, no, mom, I'm stable. I'm secure. And so that's become the, 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 the thing in our house now. We'll always say, I'm stable. I'm secure. <laughs> Leslie and I will do something crazy and I'll say, Les, I'm stable. I'm secure. I don't care what they think about me. I'm stable. I'm secure. And so when I read this and the Amplified, I had to chuckle because I could hear Kendall say, I'm stable. I'm secure. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed. Do you want to be stable and fixed? Can I just tell you what I am sick and tired of? Insecure people. Pet, less, am I lying? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Pet peeve of the whole wide world. Can I tell you, especially women, let me just talk to you. Ninety-five 95%. I'm talking to me too. I'm just not pointing the finger. 95% of our problems, of our trouble, is because of insecurity. I am so sick of it, I can't even tell you. Do you know that he makes you secure? What Susie down the street thinks about you does not make you secure. 
What that man walking by you says about you does not make you secure. Men, the number of, uh, of degrees you have behind your name or the amount of money you make in your job does not make you secure. Some of you have been so ripped on and so destroyed as children that you are living your life insecure, not knowing who you are, trying to prove yourself, trying to sell yourself, trying to be secure. And so when somebody comes up against you who looks a little bit more like they have it together, you're jealous, you're envious, you're gossiping about them, you're trying to destroy them because really you're insecure. I want to stand on the chair right now. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed, secure, secure. You see, when you get to that place, oh Lord, help me, when you get to that place of, of shelter in Him, when you get to that place of intimacy with Him, of connection with Him, it won't matter what Susie down the street or Sam at work is saying about you because you'll know who you are in Christ. You see, well, what the enemy of our soul does is he tries to rob us of the image of God. He tries to whisper his lies and say, you know what, you're a failure, you're worthless, you're not worth anything, you're ugly, you're fat, you're unsuccessful. And he whispers his lies. And you have allowed him to assault the very image of God in your life. You see, he knows that if you find out who you are, if you really find out who you are in Christ, oh, it's my prayer that on Monday nights we begin to find out who we are in Christ, that you are a mighty warrior, that you're a force to be reckoned with, that you are made in the image of God. You don't need to be made in the image of some model in a catalog. But you will never know that. I can't convince you of that. And you know what we'll do? We'll continue to try to destroy each other and tear each other down. I will tell you, I've been asking the Lord, Lord, when somebody talks nasty about me, when somebody's gossiping about me, when somebody's trying to hurt me, can, can you help me not to take offense at that? Can you instead help me to see their insecurities? Can you help me see that everything they're saying and doing is rooted, rooted in insecurities. It changes the whole, the, my, whole, my whole system of offense. You see, you can't take offense when you begin to see that weakness, when you begin to see that in somebody, when you begin to see it in yourself. Oh, Lord, show me. Show me where I'm insecure. Show me where my reaction is coming, not out of what that person did, but out of my own insecurities. You see, he who remains, who, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain stable and fixed. Stable and fixed. Do you want that in your life? Don, can we just quickly put up the tabernacle? I, I gave you a sheet. I want to show you how to get to the shelter of the Most High. The Most High, the, the shelter there, that word is secret place. You all have this? Does everybody have one of these? Can I just use this? I wonder. No, that's not going to work. Okay, here we go. <laughs> all right. When Moses, when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, are you following me, out of bondage, out of slavery? You know where he went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. You know that story. Pharaoh let his people go. They go through the wilderness for 40 years. You know what I'm talking about? Well, God says to Moses on this high mountain one day, he says, I want you to build a place, a sanctuary, a tabernacle, a temple for me to dwell. 
I want a place where I can meet with my people. Can I just tell you that God wants to meet with you? He wants to meet with you. He was saying to Moses, I don't want to be way up here and, and unapproachable to my people. I want to come down there, and I want them to be able to approach me. That's why Jesus came, because he wanted to, us to know what's more approachable than a baby, a baby in a manger. He, want, he was saying, I'm approachable. I, I want to be a God that's approachable. And so he said to Moses, I want you to build a place for me to dwell. So for me to meet with my people, I want you to build a tabernacle for me, a, a temple, a place for me to meet with my people. And he gave Moses explicit instructions on how to build this, this tabernacle. And this tabernacle had to be portable. That's important because they would move. They, they were walking through the wilderness, and that tabernacle had to be picked up and taken with them through the wilderness. And so it had to be portable. Keep portable in your mind. And so what, what happened is he gave Moses these guidelines and he says, this is how I want it to be. I want you to build this tabernacle and I want it to have this bronze altar out here. You see, hey, where did that come from? <laughs> Good job, whoever that is. That's so awesome. So, so here's the tabernacle. And you see, that's just good. So... The, it was impossible for the Israelites to enter the presence of God. They couldn't do that because they were sinful, and God is what? Holy. And so they could not approach him because they were sinful, and so they needed to have a sacrifice for their sin. They needed blood to be shed. Death must come. The wages of sin is what? Death. They needed a sacrifice. And so as they came in, pointer, can you get the entrance right there? As they came in to the tabernacle, they could only get as far as that bronze altar. And they had to bring a sacrifice. And there was, there was, they could not do that. They had to present it to a priest. There was a mediator there that would take that sacrifice, would, would slay it on that altar, and then the priest, they would leave. The priest would then go to that labor. Do you see that? It was made out of the mirrors of women. I love that. The women had to give their mirrors. I don't know if I give mine up. To, to be able to build this wash basin. And so the priest would go, you are so good. The priest would go from that altar then, because he had blood on his hands, to that labor. And in that place, he would wash his hands and his feet. Why do you think he didn't wash everything? Go to Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I'm only going to wash your feet. Peter says, wash all of me. Jesus said, no, you've already been washed. But your feet, that picks up dirt as you go through life. Your hands are picking up dirt. You see, it's a picture of us when we, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he's that sacrifice for us. But there are still times before we enter uh, God's presence that we need to cleanse ourselves. We need to wash our hands and our feet. You're going to say, well, Bria, you've been forgiven of your sins. You absolutely have, but I'm going to tell you what, past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. But before I enter the presence of God, you better believe I'm washing my hands and my feet. I'm saying, Lord, you know what? I did this. And I, I really, I messed up here, Lord. And would you forgive me for this? And, and, and so I don't take that for granted. And so the priest stopped there and he washed because he's coming into the presence of God and he's not going to do that lightly. Now stay with me because this is good. After he washes, and I told you that the basin is made by the women's mirrors. So what's going to happen when he bends over to wash in that basin? He's going to catch a reflection of himself. <laughs> Oh man, have you ever caught a reflection of yourself when you're approaching God? Aware of your insufficiency, aware of your um, needing to be cleansed. And so 
he moves from that labor after he washes, and he comes into this right here. And, and this is where the presence of God was. This is the holy place, and this is the holy of holies. Secret place. Mark on your papers, secret place. Right there, holy of holies. Not here, here. So he come through this, this, this veil here. He come into the holy place. There are three pieces of furniture, this is important, in the holy place. A table of showbread, an altar of incense, and then a lampstand. I want you to know this is symbolic of the lampstand is symbolic of the church. The showbread is, is symbolic of the word. And the incense is, is symbolic of our prayer. You follow me? And then once a year, he could come past this veil right here into the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could come into this Holy of Holies. And in that Holy of Holies was one piece of furniture. It was the altar, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was what? Anybody know? Symbolic of God's presence, his glory, his throne room. There was a mercy seat on top of it, and that was where the glory of God dwelled. And so that priest was going to go into that secret place, that holy of holies, and he was going to experience the glory and the presence of God. And, and so you know that this tabernacle, the word says that, 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 um, that, God, that the word was God, the word was with God, and the word came and dwelled among us. Are you following me for, in, in John? He came and dwelt among us. The word dwelt there means tabernacle. Am I losing you? means tabernacled. That Jesus came to earth and he tabernacled right there among us. Following me? So now he says, what happens then? He says, I have to go so another one can come and dwell within you. Right? The Holy Spirit. And, and so you and I are now what? We're temples, we're tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. God has now come and dwelled within us. So when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he dwells within us. He tabernacles within us. You following me? So you and I are a portable tabernacle. We take God wherever we go. You follow me? We have a place to worship anytime we want. That's the secret place. That's the, that's the holy of holies. That, that's, the, that, that's the secret place. But you see what happens, come back here with me. We approach God. We, we approach him because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's washed us. He's cleansed us. The Bible says now because of what he did for us, we can come boldly into his presence. But you know what happens? Most of us stay right here. Going to church, reading the word, praying. And we're content right there. Holy place. I am a holy place. But he says, I died. What happened on the cross of Calvary? What was rent? The veil was rent. What he was saying is, I have taken down the veil. You can now approach God boldly and confidently because of me. And he says, so now we are that tabernacle. The presence of God, the glory of God dwells within us. When I go to the table in the morning to study the word, I get in the presence of God. I bust through the holy place and I say, Lord, I'm not going to be satisfied till I get to that secret place, to that place where the glory pours out, to that place of your presence, to that place where I sent you. I don't just read it in your word. I don't just experience it at church. I don't just pray, Lord, I want the presence of God. I want the glory of God. I want to encounter you like I've never encountered you before. That, my friends... It's the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide, will rest. Will rest. Some of you need to rest. 
in the shelter of the Almighty. Good. Good? That's just the beginning. That is just the beginning. That's a snippet. In fact, I said to the Lord, will they even come back next week because this really is kind of boring and will they get this? Because and... <laughs> good stuff is coming, Lord. <laughs> to dwell in the secret place means to live with a desire for more of his presence, to go deeper with him. You see, that priest had to keep going deeper, 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 deeper to get to the Holy of Holies. And you and I need to go deeper. We need to yearn after him. We need to press deeper into him. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you want that in your life? I want that in my life. You see, I, I believe that that's why people don't want our Jesus anymore. It's because we are not getting into his glory. Because what happened when Moses experienced his glory on, on the mountain? He had to put a veil on his face because the glory was so bright on his face it shone. Do, do you understand that? He had to veil his face. <laughs> and so the Bible says, now you with what? Unveiled faces. Let your glory shine. I, I so want my glory to shine. Everywhere I go, I want people to see the Jesus in me. And they're not going to see the Jesus in me unless I get to that holy of holies, until I get to that secret place. Uh, there's one of my favorite scriptures, I play it, pray it with Leslie all the time, is that, that people would know that we've been with Jesus. There's a scripture that says, you know, they were unschooled, ordinary men, but we could tell that they had been with Jesus. That's the cry of my heart. I am unschooled, I am ordinary, but I'm going to tell you what, I want more than anything in this world to you to be able to look at me and say, that there's something about her, she's been with Jesus, and I want what she has. Do you want that? We need to shine Shine, let your light so shine before men, the word of God says. Oh, that they'll want what you have. You see, that's why, that's why we don't, people don't want our Jesus. That's why people aren't coming to us saying, what do you have? I want what you have. Because you know where we're dwelling? We're dwelling in bitterness. We're dwelling in self-pity. We're dwelling in destructive behaviors. We're, we're dwelling in hatred and anger and jealousy. Oh, church, we don't have time for that. There is a kingdom to be taken there's a kingdom to be taken. I want that. I want that. Don, can you come? I, I, I know it's late. I want to be mindful of your time. But, but Don has a, a great story to tell, and I ask him if he'd just take a few minutes tonight and, and share it with you. Um, because he's understanding the principle of getting to that secret place. He's understanding the principle of shining before men because this world needs what we have. As a preference to him coming up, I just I want to tell you that about a year ago, we got our team together, and I take very seriously this team. And I pray for them. Leslie and I pray for them all the time, and we pray for you all the time. But we had met with our team, and I said, I, 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 we went around the room, and I said, I want you to, to tell me what your deepest prayer request is, what I can be praying for you. Not fix this, God. But, but what do you want from God? And Don, at that time, a year ago, said, Rhea, I just want to have a concept of eternity. So I put that in my Bible. I put this in my Bible, this list that I had been praying for this, this um, team, here in my Bible. And I would pray over that every day, almost every day. And I began to pray for Don to have a concept of eternity. That's what he told me he wanted. And so the other day after 
all this stuff had been going on in his life, I, I texted him and I said, Don, I don't know if you remember this, but a year ago, he said, I remember. And I said, you asked that God would give you a concept of eternity. And he said, Rhea, I thought it would be pearly gates and fluffy clouds. I never had any idea it would be this. And so I asked him if he would share this story with you tonight. Yeah, be careful what you pray for. A um, couple weeks ago, uh, I lost my brother, and he took his life. We, um, the last few years, have been dealing with uh, some sin that's been going on within our family. Uh, it's been going on for a number of years, and I've seen uh, the enemy that's got a plan to try and steal us, steal our lives, and also steal those that uh, we love. So I've seen his hand all over what my family and what my brother has gone through as far as telling him lies, uh, sin, feeding some of that. Um, he'd been going through some things uh, regarding a divorce, uh, our family history, my dad, my other brother, and him, they're alcoholics. So when you look at what's been going on in our family and you look at Matthew, where it says there's three against and two three against two, where Jesus said, I'm going to come, but not to bring peace, but I'm going to come to divide. I'm going to divide your mother against your daughter, your father against your son. And that's really a picture of what my uh, family has been. And Leslie can attest to that, where we've got two believers in our family, and then we've got three that aren't. And we've seen the enemy's hand in everything over the last few years, and ultimately, um, it resulted in his life. So as we were at his service, you see the stark reminder of eternity. That's it. For those that don't believe, they're done. That is it. We've got that hope of eternity. Like uh, Rhea had mentioned, I thought it was going to be giving me a picture of what heaven looks like so that I can actually proclaim that to others as well and take Rhea's umbrella and reach out to those and bring them under the umbrella. Um, but really what it is it's black and white. It's pretty simple, right? Just like uh, Abraham uh, was talking to the rich man uh, along with Lazarus, where he said, you know, even if we have people telling your brothers and your family, they're still not going to listen to them because we have Jesus' word. We have his word right here. And it isn't going to be pearly gates. It isn't going to be clouds or angels or any of that other stuff. It's my word and what I'm doing here on earth, what I'm doing through people, and what I'm doing through your life as well. And that's what we need to do uh, in regards to eternity. And it, it's interesting where you see him and some of the others in his family, there's no hope after that, that happens. So you're caught and that's it. There's no turning back, there's no nothing. Uh, but part of that is opening doors uh, in terms of reconciliation and, and dying to yourself. When we look through what is going on with uh, my family, for example, it doesn't matter who says what or anything like that. It's a matter of uh, understanding where they're coming, through, coming from, what they might be going through. But in the end, the only thing that matters is eternity. So we've got to kind of die to ourselves, give, any, give everything up, and just go back and extend the love, and we've got to try and pull them in and bring them under the umbrella. Because without that, there's no hope. We have no hope whatsoever if we don't have Christ. So that's part of um, the picture of eternity uh, that I've had. So we're going through this, and God continues to reveal things 
that are going on. And um, I guess that's one of the things as well is really dying to yourself. Really, and just giving that stuff up. It doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody does. In the end, it's either you're in the book of life or you're not. And what are we going to do to try and help those get in the book of life? And that's part of what our purpose is here on earth. To find God, accept God, and glorify him. That's it. It's not about the job. It's not about what anybody else says or anything like that. That's really it. And it's, it's black and white. And it's pretty simple, but it's painful to understand. But what Don won't tell you is that um, we were due to go on the road um, uh, the weekend that his brother passed away. And I said to Les, you know, you need to be with your family. And, and she said, yeah. And we'd already had plane tickets booked the whole nine yards. And, and so she came back to me and she said, you know, I talked to Don and Don wants me to go on the road. And I had talked to Don that day and I said, Don, she needs to stay with you. She needs to be with you. She, he said, no, Rhea, this is death. She needs to be preaching life. She needs to be on the road. And so Don, in the midst of his brother's funeral, sends Leslie to, where were we, Alabama. That's, that's somebody who understands eternity. He said, Rhea, I, preach it hard. I, I said, Don, we're going to give him a black eye this weekend. I stood up in Alabama. And I preach like I've never preached before. We watch people come to Christ. I thought for, you, you took his son, you, 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 you took his brother, you robbed him of life, Satan. You, you, made a, you forged a weapon against this family, but for, for that life, I'm taking a hundred back. I'm taking them back. And, and I'm telling you, we preach like we've never preached before, did we not? And, and, and that was dawn understanding eternity. Here's a man who I would have wanted my wife beside me. There was no doubt in my mind she's staying at home she's going to be in this funeral with Don and and he so unselfishly said no she needs to go preach life she needs to preach life and that's a man who understands eternity he understands that holy of holies that secret place that that's what it's all about I'm so glad that you're here this this week um it, it, please stay we have do we have food Karen we have, we have yummies. We've got uh, food out there. Please stay for fellowship. If you need prayer, uh, we are here, and, and we would love to pray with you. Our team is here, and, and so just come for prayer. This is my friend Sue. I have a testimony in regards to Psalm 91 because I've been reading it since June. And this weekend, our condo building had a fire, and I'm staying at the Best Western right now. But the greatest thing that I tell people about what happened, there was eight units affected, and mine was one of them. Out of all the eight units, I am the only unit where they did not have to rip my entire bathroom to shreds to get to the fire. I have water damage. That's it, a little bit of smoke. But you know why? I don't have a ripped up bathroom because I was under the umbrella for two months and I didn't realize what God was doing, preparing me for this. And my family's looking at me like, you are doing amazingly well. And I said, you know what? That's because of God. If you don't believe 
in God or that there are miracles, I'm living proof, and so are you. And I want to thank your husband, Dave. I talked to him as I came in. And thank you for the blessing. Um, It's amazing because I was worried about all the money and you guys blessed me with a check, so thank you. And it's not easy. I'm exhausted. I've been running around with insurance people and cleaning up people, and I still got to work. But, and the best part is, I'm sitting there talking to the police officer, witnessing to the police officer as I'm standing out at one o'clock in the morning, freezing my tushy off. And the guy that takes me into my building, into my unit to grab a few things, mind you, this is the clothes I will be wearing for the rest of the week. It's all I have. But um, I started telling him how God really protected me. And he was agreeing with me. And I'm like, all right, what church do you go to? He goes, popular Greek. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I mean, God's hand was in this somehow because I have the least amount of damage. I mean, there are units that have no damage that weren't affected. Okay, fine. But guess what? God protected my unit, honey. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) And he protected me. We're so glad you're here. Please stay and have some fellowship, and uh, and we're just delighted. Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray that it would prosper in the hearts and the minds of each person here. Lord, I pray that you give them traveling mercies on their way home. And Father, I pray, I pray that you teach us how to get into that secret place with you and how to stay under the shelter uh, of your, your protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ. Thank you.